following presentation by Taylor Fragon Capital Management LLC is intended for general information purposes only. No portion of the presentation serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from Taylor Fragon or any other investment professional of your choosing. Please see additional important disclosure at the end of this presentation. A copy of Taylor Fragon's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request or at www.taylorfragon.com. Welcome to the Long Only Podcast, episode 62, I think, if you're keeping score at home. I'm Doug. I'm Jerry. Now Jerry is 18 <laughs> inches closer to the microphone than he was when we started. Sorry, I was leaning backwards. Checking out the, the uh, stalled bull market. Yes. So. Yes, yes, yes. All right, Jerry. So today we're going to talk about something. We're on a compressed schedule. We also got off our normal release schedule a little bit, thanks largely to uh, me being sick. But let's talk about a subject near and dear to our hearts. It's not the first time, nor is the last time we'll talk about this. Market distortions due to short selling. Now, I noticed this. I should point this out. I didn't tell you I was going to go here. But I got an email from our custodian a couple of months ago. said, hey, you guys own some hard-to-borrow securities. Want to earn some extra scratch on those? You can lend them out and uh, make it, it make a high, uh, a tidy profit for doing nothing. They're trying to lure you to the dark side. And you said, to this easy money was dropped in your lap. And you said, no. No, and you're lucky I didn't fire you on the spot, Doug. <laughs> for even considering it. For even considering it. it was the subtext. It would be enabling... But, Luckily, we have, dark that, side. we have that conversation where I'm lucky I didn't get fired the about demonic. every week, so I'm used to it. So, such is your conviction. Be preternatural. Now, in order to not make easy money, you must be pretty convicted about this. Well, I'm on record. I'm going to stay on record, and I've had plenty of arguments, and most of the world disagrees with me, and that's fine. It's lonely being right. <laughs> Short selling should be illegal. There's no argument. I, I, I Look, I've heard every argument under the sun, most of which is centered around liquidity and discipline of management, and I don't buy any of it. Okay. Okay, we can end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Bolero stock, you don't buy any of it. I don't buy any of it. Uh, I, we're, we're owners of Carvana, yes. full disclosure. Through thick and thin. We've through thick and thin. We've owned it since 2018. So five years plus now. Um, which is which underscores our whole point about staying in through multiple market economic cycles. We've had a couple of cycles to say the least since then. And Lord knows Carvana has had cycles since then. Um, at the height it was like fifty-six percent. And then some short that I can, the, the highest I ever saw, it could have been higher than that. What meaning 56% of the outstanding shares were short. I think that was probably a few months ago, maybe three or four months ago. The stock peaked out in uh, mid, call it mid, like this time frame in 2021, the summer of 2021 at, let me pull up this price. 300, 300 and call it 60 bucks a share, 70 bucks a share, 370 bucks a share. It got as low in 
November of 2022 at three and a half. That's dollars. That's dollars. Yes. So that's basically a 99% cut. Yeah. Okay. Now, it, in the summer of 2021, when it got up to $370 a share, there was all that was amidst of COVID lockdowns. There was all kinds of hoopla over e-commerce. Everybody was going to be sitting in their basement on online and you know buying and selling everything in the world online, food, cars, themselves, whatever. Um, and and the and the stock got ridiculously run up in price. No no doubt about it. And and to, I will tell you our rebalancing rules kicked in we were we were selling in fact we we can now talk about we used to talk about this with respect to Fiserv another company we had owned for years like 23 years and how many different companies that financed buying because we would you know we'd take take profits off the table rebalance it back to a, an equal weight over the years uh, Carvana has to be in that camp too because as far as financing purchases of other companies because we did scale a number of times uh, and you know and then from you know, that height of midsummer 2021. So it's only two years ago to the fourth quarter, November of 2022. So a little, like a year and a quarter is when it, it went down 99%, 99%. There were all kinds of discussion out there. There was all kinds of discussion about them going bankrupt. They weren't going to have it. And, and look, they faced the mother of all just bizarre used car markets. You we thought they were going to have to sell the vending machine. Yeah, you know, we, we, we all recall what happened to used cars, right? Because there was no production of new cars going on there because everything was shut down. Supply chain problems really hit the car industry, the auto industry. And that rippled into the used car market. So used cars were going, you know, you buy a used car for more or you would pay more for a used car than a new car if you could find the new car. Inverted car yield. Inverted car yield. Inverted car yield curve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, price curve in any event um we we heard from every short argument in the world they're going bankrupt blah 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 we always believed what the story was with carvana was that it was a unique uh very um technologically savvy and i'd say well well, well-managed company as far as, you know, being able to pull off what was going to be a very big execution risk. In fact, when we did the due diligence on the company is before we moved to Scottsdale, we flew here and went and saw the management team because they're, they're based in, in Tempe. Uh, and, you know, very transparently, you know, when asked what's, what keeps you up at night, you know, it's not necessarily the used car market. It's not, you know, can we build the right algorithms in order to figure out where to buy cars? And that actually was an, in, an interesting and important part of their business was figuring out where where do you buy what car, how much do you pay, uh, buying with respect to because you know, like so many things, you make money not on the sale but on the purchase, right? Um, it's like real estate, exactly. But they said, look, but execution risk. I mean, it, the big the big issue for us is can we pull this off? Because it's a it was going to be a big undertaking, the whole building of these uh, what they call refurbishment centers, 
being able to get those cars refurbished properly. How many refurbishment centers do they have? You know, I don't know now, but it, I'd have to check. But it, there's, I think there's more than 10 for sure mm-hmm. around the country. Um, so not quite in every state, but relatively regionally to some degree or another? Yeah. I, and I may be way low on that now. Okay. Um, but the point being that, the, and, and then and then the logistics of getting cars from point A to point B, blah, blah, blah. And of course, the vending machine, which most people have seen those vending machines. Initially, they started off as what they called giant billboards. In fact, I think that at the time they were like four, three to five million dollars to build, depending on where you were. And we thought, gosh, that's an expensive billboard. But then when they really kind of explained it a little bit more, it started to make some sense. When you think of what it costs to build uh, another company, which full disclosure we had owned before and we liked a lot, don't own it anymore, was CarMax, who had physical locations. Well, those physical locations were 10 times as much to build. So you started realizing, okay, well, this this actually does make some sense. They're building these big marketing billboards in the form of these vendor vending machines. Um, and it actually does make some sense, especially when you consider how, their, their whole point of how their logistics work. Interestingly, and so, so we, we ended up being fine with that. Interestingly, though, those vending machines now are, are um, delivering over half of the cars they sell, which is pretty amazing. In fact, I think in some locations, it's like two-thirds of the cars they sell. I literally deliver through the vending machines. So they have actually become uh, another – there's a whole other angle on it that I don't think they necessarily had originally anticipated. It's more of a novelty at first. Now it's actually functional. They have enough of them around – that they're, and I don't know how many of those are, but they have enough of them around that they're they're actually becoming more functional. Anyway, the, the, the bottom line was this was a company that for us, it was about looking at how well they were managed, what the business was that they were in. They still only have like one-ish percent of the market. I mean, it's a huge market for used cars. And all of these companies like CarMax, Carvana, Vroom, I, I think to combined, they have, you know, certainly less than 5% of the market. It may even be less than. 3, so not 3%. unlike the bowling alley situation we we're talking about. Very similar week. to the and bowling. Self, and self-storage. Very similar to the bowling alley and very similar. It's a fragmented market. I mean, the mom and pop used cars sales lot is a real thing. Um, now they're not going and buying those up, whereas Bolero is. Um, no, they're but, just trying to take their, they're trying to take their inventory basically, you know, as opposed to buying up the. Yeah. The or, or, yeah. And just, you know, be the, be the, the vendor of choice for someone trying to buy a car or sell a car for that matter. So going back to the shorting point though, this, the, the, as much of the hoopla drove it up during the COVID nonsense, an equal amount, if not more amount drove it all the way down 99%. Well, here we are in, what is it? July of 23. So a year later, no, not a year later, only like eight months later, from the bottom at three dollars and fifty six cents, I think it was three dollars. Yeah, we'll call it three dollars and sixty cents. It's trading at forty five, forty five today, forty six and a quarter. It actually got up to like fifty eight the other day. This is the mother of all short squeezes. What does that mean? When you have such a significant percentage of the shares short, which does beg the question, how does that happen? Well, pray tell. It happens because people said yes to that question that you asked. 
<laughs> At least that's part of it. They took the it. easy money. They took the easy money. But what's happening is, is and kudos on Ernie Garcia III, who's running it. Uh, we just had a meeting with him not long ago. Um, very thoughtful. Really, you know, trying to manage through this the, you know, the best they can. I, I will... I will emphasize how much they say this has really made them a better company because when things were going perfectly, you know, wonderfully and, you know, stock was trading at these ridiculous values, which they would even be the first to say was ridiculous. Um, you know, it's natural that you start developing some fat around the waistline, to say the least. Uh, you know, the company comes back now being very lean, very excited about the the team they have, they were able, this, this sort of was a, you know, this is one of those things that they'll be able to, we think, and it looks like it's going to be the case. They'll be able to look back, you know, two, three, four years from now and say, wow, I actually ended up being one of the best things that ever happened in the midst of all of this in our shop. We said, you know what, this might be one of the best things that ever happens to Carvana. They're not going to, they're not going to go under. That was ridiculous. They were always going to be able to figure out a way to either do what they just did, which is raise a billion dollars in an offering, which made all the sense in the world after being up from $3.50 to $50 in a matter of six, seven, eight months. Um, mind you, we we did the flip of what we did on the way up, and we were buying on the way down a number of different prices, the lowest of which was about 6 bucks, 6 and change, I think in December or maybe early January. Um, so this is, this is, this is where I will say, and we just wrote about this in our investment climate, uh, make volatility your friend, embrace volatility. I mean, it's going to be here. We have to live with it. We better make it work for us. So be smart about your rebalancing rules in both directions. You'll get opportunities to rebalance away from companies when things start getting silly on the upside, just as much. You got to keep your wits about you. Look at the business. If we aren't looking at the business, right? If we're not looking at the business and really sorting through where what are going to be their sources of liquidity, they actually had many different sources of liquidity, not just going back to the public markets and raising a billion dollars like they just did, which, which frankly, just put the nail on the coffin of are these guys going to go out of business? Look, could everybody stop buying used cars and Carvana still go out of business? Sure. I mean, never say never. But the likelihood of that is, is all but gone. Hence the short squeeze. And I, the last I looked, they were still like 40 some odd percent short. That's insanely high in and of itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you could end up seeing continued short squeezes, which we, I mean, frankly, we don't like. We would much rather be evaluating this company purely on its business you know, merits. And as the stock price does its, like any stock price, you know, ups and downs, gyrations, you know, shave a little bit here, buy a little bit more there. But these kinds of crazy swings from $370 to $3.50, I mean, it's, it's about as absurd as it gets. That's it's not, just it's not surprising to say that Carvana is the wildest stock in our portfolio. As I think it, it's, it stands as the largest it, it gyration. It certainly seems to be yeah. that way. And, and, it, I, and so one of the original points was distortions, distortions that come from lack of liquidity in the market caused by, I, I believe, way more algorithmic investing than there should be, way less human involvement than there should be, way more turning on the machines, turning on the arbitrage with ETFs and index funds and what have you, um, and the short selling that, that, will, that will cause these wild swings in, in stocks. And so 
we say embrace it because it does, it, you know, if, if you tr- stick to your rebalancing rules, it will, it will give you opportunities in both directions. I'd still prefer that not be the case, but the only thing worse than running away would, from, the, from the market completely because of this would be ignoring those gifts that can be given to you. And so if there's a, you, you, you keep to your basic discipline. We're always going to talk about looking at the company, not worrying about the stock price. But where you may have to, you, you do have to make adjustments and you do have to, you know, I hate to use the term evolve. Maybe that's the wrong word, but you do have to adjust here and there when, you know, you're, you're dealt a deck of a hand in, a, in a, game, a game. The deck of cards is dealing a hand or the dealer is dealing you a hand. You got to play that hand. Um, and that hand isn't always perfectly aligned with how the, your disciplines are lined up. So you have to be flexible. You have to be nimble. You have to be able to react to these things. Actually, I think the <clears throat> analogy of the card dealing itself is kind of a good uh, yeah. simile or metaphor for, coming. for algorithmic. Yes, that's coming. Them. AI or some crazy thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, you know, I mean, we could leave it there. I think it's um, it'll be interesting to see where this all plays out. We will continue to stick to our rebalancing rules. We'll con- continue to own companies that we think longer term will be great companies. And, you know, the, 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 the likelihood um, of Carvana then crossing back over $370 a share, frankly, when you're talking about 1% market share, I mean, guys, if they continue to execute the way they have, look out. I mean, you know, they talk about being the Amazon of used cars, you know, they may well be, they may well be a half a trillion dollar company if they are able to pull this off because it is not easy to do. And I think that's one of the things that's the biggest moat around them is it's not easy to do. If they can survive this insane used car market and insane economic environment that we've been dealing with the, the, the perfect storm in, in used car markets. And frankly, in a lot of consumer products where, uh, housing, for that matter, where inter- where debt is often used to finance, and interest rates didn't help them with interest rates going up. If they can survive that and 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 continue to execute as they had been doing very well, as far as you know, managing the the, distri- the distribution refurbishing centers and uh, managing their footprint well, managing their uh, logistics of how they get cars from point A to point B, they've proven that they can do that. Um, there's tons of naysayers out there still, which is great. It's really, I think, great because it just it kind of keeps that potential for upside surprise there all the time. So you've seen in the last two episodes the these subjects of self storage and the bowling alleys and cars. We're all talking about the potential market share. They we're all dealing. They're all dealing with some of the same underlying issue: fragmented market and it's still very, it's not the opposite of top heavy. Uh, it's, it's very, you got a lot of players and consolidation hasn't happened to a large degree. Now, self-storage, as we talked about last time, that started, to, that's already well underway. Yeah, there's not, there, there's not a huge, there's not as much of a fragmentation advantage there. But room for growth. That's a big part of what we're looking for and what we, when you invest in any company, room for growth. Yep. And we've only got 1% of the market share and you're, doing what Carvana has done, there's plenty of room for growth and surviving what they've survived. And I think there will be room for growth for a number of these kinds of companies that are like Carvana out there in the used car market that, you know, it's not, it, it, there's there. The point is, is it's a big greenfield opportunity. They don't really need to compete. The CarMaxes of the world don't need to compete with the Carvanas of the world so much. They're competing with the local mom and pop um, 
used car sales operation. All right. Well, there you have it. So uh, just over 20 minutes, we made it. And if you want to go find us, find out more about us, go to taylorforgotten.com. Email us at longonly at taylorforgotten.com. Of course, rate us on iTunes if you like what you hear. And Instagram, taylorforgotten.invest. Until the next time, I'm Doug. I'm Jerry. Thank you for joining us on the Long Only Podcast.